Welcome to the Painesville Assembly of God podcast. We're always encouraged to know God is working through this ministry to touch lives. So if you have a story to share of how God is working in your life, please let us know by sending us an email at info at Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. That we're in, we're calling it blessed as we take a look at uh, the Beatitudes, uh, which are what kick off Jesus' sermon on the Mount. And uh, you know, throughout history, there have been all kinds of different people who have risen up into leadership that have attempted to try to conquer the world. In fact, that's something that you see in movies or in different things where you have different people that, that, that want to conquer the world. They want to they have power and they want to they conquer what's there. Uh, in fact, the likes of the pharaohs of Egypt or Alexander the Great, Napoleon uh, Bonaparte or Genghis Khan uh, or the Caesars of Rome, uh, it doesn't matter who it is, these individuals attempted and thought through armies and through power that they could take over and they could take over the earth. And yet at the same time, Jesus gives, it a, gives us a key today in the beatitude that we're going to look at as to how you go about overcoming or inheriting the earth. Uh, in fact, these folks, uh, they, they found that even though they had these huge armies they were commanding, they couldn't command their own spirit. And because they couldn't command their own spirit, they lost out and lost everything. Their lives were ruined and their kingdoms were lost. But not so when it comes to the kingdom of God and when it comes to Jesus. In fact, in the beatitude that we're going to dive into today, as Jesus includes this blessing of inheriting the earth, we see that, again, he opens up his popular teaching called the Beatitudes in the Sermon on the Mount. And one by one, Jesus is talking about not so much in the kingdom of God, yet at this point of what a disciple or a follower of Jesus should be doing, but rather it's about being. It's about what he wants us to be. It starts with the attitude and the inside of the heart and being and character that is the foundation for what he would call us to do. For out of the inside then flows the actions or the outside. And so today, uh, or, or last two weeks, we dug into the first two. The first was blessed are the poor in spirit. That is finding a poverty of spirit before the Lord, a humility that recognizes that I don't match up, that God's holiness and God's greatness, that in me, I don't have a holiness that matches that, that I'm in need of a Savior. I'm in need of someone to come and provide for me what I lack. It begins with this understanding of living open-handed and saying, Lord, what I need, I don't have at this point. When I come into your presence, I see my spiritual poverty before you. Then, it leads to the next one, which is blessed are those who mourn. We talked about that last week, and it wasn't necessarily a natural grieving over something that God had given and then taken away, but rather this was a grieving that when we come before God's presence and we recognize the sinfulness individually and corporately, as Isaiah said, woe is me, I'm a man of unclean lips individually, I live among a people of unclean lips corporately, he began to repent before God, and there is a repentance and a mourning over our sin. In fact, that with, without a mourning over our sin, simply recognizing our poverty before God without a mourning over sin does not lead to salvation and does not lead to the comfort and the grace and the mercy that God wants to provide. 
In fact, faith is more than just a mental assent of saying, I ascribe or I believe a number of different things. It actually goes deeper than that as it begins to recognize that I, I need to mourn and repent over my sin and, and, and my not lining up with God's standard. When we find ourselves with that and are sorrowful over our sinful condition, we find ourselves then at the next step in the ladder, which is Matthew chapter 5 and verse 5, which says this, blessed are the meek for they will inherit the earth. They will inherit the earth. In fact, there's a shift, I think, in American culture, a shift in our culture worldwide, and maybe it has to do with social media, it has to do uh, with cameras on our phones and everybody wanting to take pictures and, and, and be in the limelight, but the, this, this, we have moved away from character and we've moved into a vanity of image. We've moved away from character. We've turned to pride and we've turned pride into a virtue. Pride is a desire for power and position, and it's been redefined by American culture and actually been looked at as a virtue that we do not find in Scripture. In fact, the strong or the beautiful or the powerful or the intelligent or the privileged take every opportunity to push themselves forward looking for that opportunity to find themselves in a position of fame. Politicians manifest pride as they seek power in their speeches and debates. We see that. Entertainers glamorize pride in their movies or lifestyles. Educators teach pride by emphasizing self-esteem and making every child a winner, whether they have deserved it or earned it or not. I won't go there. Sports icons reinforce pride and power as a path to greatness. But is that what the Bible teaches? What does God's Word teach us. In fact, I think probably the least, uh, the least admired quality in America would be humility or meekness. And yet the greatest person who ever lived was a meek and humble man. In fact, Jesus himself said in Matthew eleven twenty nine, learn from me for I am gentle. And actually the word gentle can be translated meek and humble in heart. In fact, Jesus exemplified meekness when he walked the earth. Even as he ministered in the very power of God, he demonstrated the meekness of God. Those who followed him are also to demonstrate meekness as we see in the fruit of the Spirit talked about in Galatians 5.22 that one of them is gentleness, again, that can be translated meekness as a fruit of a spirit-filled life. A spirit-filled life. In fact, meekness is this, it's a humble attitude that expresses itself in the patient endurance of offenses. That's very important. Well, gentleness is a virtual synonym. It implies leniency and long-suffering. Meekness, in fact, talks about an attitude of humility, patient, even among offenses. Meekness is not weakness. I think sometimes we, we look at meekness and we look in, in, in that and we think, well, meekness has to do with being weak. Uh, but meekness is not weakness as we will see today. Meekness is power under control. It is power under control. As the writer of Proverbs says this in Proverbs 16, 32, he who is slow to anger is better than the mighty and he who rules his spirit than he who captures a city. You see the difference, the flip there? In contrast to the individual who uh, is gentle is likened to this, a city that is broken into and without walls, according to Proverbs 25, 28. 
In fact, if it, when those who lack meek, meek, meekness and move out in their own power and strength and seek to control and seek in pride, find themselves not in a way that, that God uh, says is to be elevated. Gentleness always uses its resources appropriately, unlike out-of-control emotions that are often destructive and have no place in the life of a believer. So in studying this word, meek, I, I found something very interesting. In fact, in several places as I looked, I found very interesting uh, something that really helps us understand this idea of meekness. In Matthew Henry's book that he wrote entitled A Discourse on Meekness and a Quietness of the Spirit, he points out that in Latin, the word meek or a meek man was called mansuetus. Mansuetus, it's made up of two words, man, which means hand, and asuetus, which means used to. So when you put it together, mansuetus means used to the hand, used to the hand. Uh, You say, well, what is used to the hand? Well, used to the hand is used in taming animals. In fact, wild horses, in fact, Uh, a horse when it's not broken is not used to the hand. It's not used to the hand of a man. So when someone comes near it, the horse bucks and the horse kicks and the horse resists the bit and the bridle and its strength, the power of that horse is uncontrolled. But when that horse gets used to the hand, its wild passions are subdued and its strength is brought under control and that animal is at peace. Do you know that the Bible can calls the, the fallen nature of man uh, the, like an impulse of wild animals. Jeremiah 2, 23 and 24, God says that his own people were like a wild donkey or a restless camel. <laughs> That's not very flattering, is it? <laughs> but they tell us something. They tell us something about the human nature. They tell us something about the the sinful nature, the human nature. The human nature is restless. The human nature is wild. The human nature likes to be something that is wild and out of control. The human nature is something that doesn't like to be subdued. When we have a strength, but it's neither directed or controlled, our energy gets lost in ways that are at best unproductive and at worst very destructive. How many have seen that before? But friends, if we want to be useful to God, we've got to get used to God's hand. We've got to get used to God's hand. That's what happens when our wild passions and our sinful nature become subdued and our strength is harnessed. And it's at that point that we begin to experience a peace, not an exterior peace, but an internal peace. In fact, meekness is controlled strength. It tames the temper, it subdues the self, it calms passions, it manages the impulses of the heart, and it brings order out of the chaos of the soul. In fact, the more I've gotten into studying this idea of meekness, the more excited I get, because I don't know about you, but I want as much of this as I can in my life. In fact, a person characterized by meekness is humble, patient, forgiving, content, Meekness is the means by which God delivers us from pride and harshness and aggression, from vengeance and turmoil. And if you you think about somebody in your life who you might be described as maybe self-opinionated or or overbearing, usually they throw their weight around, they throw their power around, they, they try to intimidate with their words or those kinds of things, they insist on their own way. If you know somebody like that, how many know usually that person is not really described as somebody who's very happy? They're not happy. They're they're always pushing their own way. They're demanding. 
In fact, there's a turmoil that is inside that ends up spilling out over anybody they come in contact with. But how many of you know that when we become used to the hand, used to the hand of God, and that power comes under the control and, the, and, and under the submission of God and the submission of God's Word, how many know that person can then be used by God and God gives them a new dignity, poise, and peace? That's the power of meekness. And that's what Jesus calls us to pursue. But how many of you know you can't pursue this area of meekness until you first recognize your own poverty of spirit before the Lord, <laughs> until you repent of your ways? When you come into that place of humility and repentance, understanding who you are and how much you need the Lord, you can begin to take the next step by allowing yourself to come under the submission of God's Word, under the control and use to the hand of God. Jesus is calling us to something wonderful here. The impulses of our sinful nature that begin to drive us, he's saying, listen, will you bring that under me and allow me to begin to direct that passion that you have, to direct that, what, what I've put in you, but your sinful nature wants to take in a different direction, will you come under me and allow me to direct that? Let, let me, I, I mentioned it a little bit here, but meekness comes through submitting. Meekness comes through submitting. It's strength brought under control through submission. Think about the wild horse for a minute being used to the hand. Its strength comes under uh, as it begins to submit to the bit and the bridle, bridle and the, the rider. Our English word submission, again, is a combination of two words, mission and sub. Submission means to put your mission under the mission of something or someone else. To put your mission, what you want, under something or someone else. So consider taming a wild horse. The horse submits to the bit and the bridle. When it does, it then has the opportunity, if it's a race horse, it has the opportunity to win the race. If that horse is not submitted to the mission of the rider, if it's not become used to the rider's hand and brought itself under the submission of the rider, then it goes all over and it cannot win the race. But when it comes under submission of the rider and allows itself to align with the rider and come under the rider's mission, it is only then that that horse can win the race. Winning begins when strength is brought under control by submission to Jesus Christ. We will never achieve what God wants us to achieve unless we're willing to come under submission to His will and to His Word and to His people. I want to talk about that for a moment. Three places, three ways that our strength comes under submission. The first is submitting to God's Word. Submitting to God's Word. In fact, that's what meekness involves. The Apostle James, in James 1.21, says, Receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. To receive God with meekness means to place yourself under the authority of Scripture, allowing God to shape what you believe and to direct what you do through the Bible. In other words, God's Word and Scripture begins to inform my life and inform my decisions. 
I think this is really important because there are a lot of sources today that we can look at to help direct and, 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 and to help inform the decisions that we make and inform the things that we do. But friends, what God's Word is calling us to do is to receive with meekness His Word that then begins to inform what we do. It's coming under submitting ourselves to the Scriptures and allowing God to shape our beliefs, to shape our values, to shape the way that that we see the world, the way that we, the way that we act, the way that we, our actions, our behaviors, our heart, our beliefs, we allow Scripture to do that, but you can't do that unless you come under the submission of God's Word. This can be a challenge to somebody who is a self-willed person. They reserve the right to disagree with the Bible. Well, God's Word says this, but I don't know. I, I don't think I can agree with that. And that means that something else You're submitting yourself to something else or you're unsubmitted. And when you're unsubmitted to God's word, then you move out in a direction that God doesn't necessarily intend for you to go that can be destructive. Meekness will make you flexible under the shaping influence of God's word. Your life becomes like soft wax, which the word of God is able to make visible and a lasting imprint on your life. Secondly is submitting to God's will. Not only do we submit to his word, but we submit to his will. And there will be times in your life where God will put you in a place that is difficult that you have not chosen. Anybody experienced that in the last couple of months? <laughs> it may come through these difficult circumstances, maybe at work, maybe it's in your family, maybe it's at church, maybe it's in regard to your health. And, and it's in that point that you have to ask yourself, is my strength being brought under control as I submit myself to God? Am I submitting myself to God? Now, let's, let's take a journey. We're going to take a journey to the Garden of Gethsemane for a moment. It's late. It's dark. There happen to be three men who are asleep on the ground, but further on, there's another man. And this other man is draped down. His upper body is draped down. He's sweating profusely in agony of the soul. And you hear him crying out these words, Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but yours be done. We know who that is, don't we? Jesus Christ himself. Jesus Christ submitting to the will of his father. It wasn't easy to do, but frame that picture and you can give it the title meekness. It's meekness in essence because Jesus Christ is submitting himself to the will of the father at an unimaginable cost of death on the cross. In this path of submission, Christ now calls us, blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth. And let me just say this for a moment, that before Jesus was able to submit himself to persecution and to mistreatment, he had to first be submitted to the will of God. If we are not submitted to the will of God and submitted to Scripture, we will never be able to endure persecution and put ourselves under and be willing to go under the persecution of ungodly people. Persecution is a part of being a believer in Jesus Christ. We are not going to escape persecution. In fact, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ and you're living according to the standard of the world, the the standard of his word in submission to scripture, then I can tell you that there is going to come a time, if it hasn't already come, 
and it is coming, in which people who do not line up as those values move further and further in our culture away from God's word, we will be seen as aliens and strangers and exiles, and we will be seen as, as, as a, a people that is not going in, in line with the way the rest of the world is, and persecution will come. It came to Jesus, it came to the prophets, it came to the early church disciples. We are not going to escape that, but we will not endure that or be willing to find ourselves in a position of meekness and strength under control unless we are submitted to God's word and God's will. Thirdly, submitting to God's people. This is a harder one. This is very hard for us in our American culture. What are you talking about, submitting to his people? Well, strength under control is not just being, uh, not just practicing a submitting under, under uh, God's word and God's will, but there's a d- another dimension which is submitting to his people that we see in Ephesians 5.21. And if, again, if you thought submission to God's word and God's will is hard, <laughs> take a look at this one for a moment. But this is where the blessing is found. Paul describes what it looks like when God's people are filled with the Holy Spirit. It says first that there's an immediate evidence God's people are filled with joy and they sing to each other in psalms and hymns and in spiritual songs. We love that one. That's in verse 9, Ephesians 5, 19. It's not in verse 9, 19. The second evidence, they're overwhelmingly thankful. So when you follow these couple of verses down, what you see is singing songs and hymns and and spiritual songs to one another, and, and you see this being thankful. And then all of a sudden, he slips this in here in Ephesians 5.21, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. I'm thinking, Paul, you lost me. (laughs) Right? Because in our Western culture, we strive to be independent. We strive to be autonomous, self-directed, and disconnected. Christians sometimes will float around and, uh, and will go to this group or that group or sample this or that. Or I, I'm going over here because I like what that pastor preaches. I'm going over here because I like the their worship. I'm going over here because I, I think, and we find move, 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 but we never submit ourselves under the authority and under God, and, and, and to a group of people where we are, we are coming together. I know some folks that say, well, I do that in a, in a small group. That's my small group. Well, a small group is great. I, I don't want to disconnect. I don't want to, you know, discount. Small groups are great, but oftentimes small groups are a group of people that we choose that are like-minded so that we can just be like-minded together and never be challenged. But when you submit yourself to being a part of a local church, when you say, you know what, I'm going to be committed to a local church, then there are going to be times where people disagree with you. There are going to be times where you are challenged. There are going to be times where somebody rubs you the wrong way. And the question is, am I going to submit myself one to another where I can be challenged and where I can grow, or am I going to pull up stakes and I'm just going to leave every time I disagree with something? See, friends, that is not meekness. Meekness is learning how to not only submit to God's word and his will, but also to put ourselves where we submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Meekness grows through a discipline of committed relationships in the body of Christ. In a world where we have rampant individualism, it's a serious question. How do we submit to one another as God commands? 
And we do that by being a part of a local church where we get planted, where we get to know others, and where we put ourselves in the position where we can be challenged and grow with one another. That's hard to do. Yet it's what God's word points to in terms of growing in relationship with him. So having established this definition and description in which I realize there's not a lot of amens this morning to this, <laughs> I want to do some case studies this morning. And I want to wrap up with just looking at some case studies in Scripture of some people in Scripture that we look at as spiritual leaders that were men of faith and take a look at their lives to see meekness at work. So the first case study we want to look at today is Moses. Moses. And this is meekness when you're opposed. (laughs) Starting in the place, again, in this cameo of meekness, we take a look at Moses. Scripture tells us in Numbers 12, 3, now the man Moses was very meek, more than all people who were on the face of the earth. So in other words, nobody in Old Testament times, nobody modeled meekness or was an example of meekness more than Moses. Think for a moment about what Moses had to endure. God had called him out of retirement, basically, called him when he had left. He was a shepherd. He was just happy doing his thing for 40 years. And God, all of a sudden, at a a burning bush, called him out of retirement and said, listen, I want you to go back to Egypt, and I want you to lead my people Israel out of slavery. I'm going to use you to do that. That task was filled with difficulty and danger, wasn't it? But by grace, by God's grace, Moses did that. He led God's people out of slavery in Egypt. He was the one who, who showed the power of God by, by lifting up his staff and the waters of the Red Sea parted. And he led the people through on dry ground. He lowered the staff and they were dist- uh, uh, the enemies were destroyed, demonstrating the power of God. He was the one that when they had no, no water, it led them to a place where he used the staff, struck the, wa- the rock, water began to flow. There was a, a power of the of the Spirit of God that was working through Moses. By God's announced, he, he, he had provision for the people of food. And you would think that through all of this, being led out of, uh, out of captivity, led out of slavery, the people would be very, very gracious, not only to God, but gracious to Moses and his leadership. <laughs> but that's not the case, isn't it? In fact, that we see out of much blessing became a focus of bitter complaint in Exodus 17, 3. Why did you bring us up out of Egypt to kill us and our children with thirst? Can you imagine being Moses? Actually, it got worse. Moses cried out to the Lord in Exodus 17, 4. He said, what do I do with these people? They're almost ready to stone me. That's that's being opposed in your leadership, isn't it? (laughs) They talked about killing him. So I've tried to put myself in Moses' sandals, and uh, and I can imagine what my impulse would be. It would be, listen up, people. (laughs) I'm tired of hearing all your moaning and complaining. I'm not the one that did this. I didn't, I didn't lead you out. God did this. God led us here. I, I'm not the one that what what are you complaining? Why are you complaining to me? I'm done with you. (laughs) If God said I'm ready to pour out judgment, I'd be like, yep, God, come on, let's do it. Let's start over again. But Moses was different. Moses was meek. Instead of lashing out at ungrateful people, instead he began to pray. Instead he served them. And on one occasion he was even willing to lay down his life for them. Exodus 32, 32, he said, but now please forgive their sin. But if not, then blot me out of the book that you have written. 
That's meekness. Far from being weakness, it is strength under control that formed Moses, and through that, a submission to God. That's meekness. Moses modeled submission, giving himself for the mission and the purpose of God, willing to put his own mission under the mission of God. Second is David. I'm going to look at this as meekness when you're provoked. <laughs> is there somebody in your life that exasperates you? Somebody in your life that just provokes you all the time? They're just, they're just really good at provoking you? David had somebody like that. In fact, his son Absalom had, had risen to a place where he got people to follow him. He was getting ready to oust his father David from the kingdom. And, and so David leaves Jerusalem in, an, in a, essence not wanting to divide Israel, not wanting to cause problems. He just said, if God wants me to be leader, I'll be leader. And if not, well, then, then my time is done. So he begins to leave Jerusalem. And as he does, he encounters a man who begins to provoke him by the name of, uh, of Shema. Uh, Shimei. Shimei was, uh, I don't know how you say his name. I think it's Shimei. Anyway, he belonged to the house of Saul. And so because David had taken the place of King Saul, he took it upon himself to begin to, to, uh, to, to just provoke David. And we see it in 2 Samuel chapter 16. We see the story. And, and, and he began to, to just curse at David. In fact, he began to throw dirt and stones at David and his men. He was provoking him. In 2 Samuel 16, 7, he says this, Get out, get out, you man of blood, you worthless man. Can you imagine that? The, the, the king of Israel and, uh, and this guy is provoking him. Well, one of David's mighty men by the name of Abishai, he, he was always a man who was ready to take somebody's head off. He said, come on, let me at him. <laughs> Why should this dead dog curse my lord the king? Let me go over and take off his head. Now, again, if I'm David, I'm thinking, yep, come on, just put this guy out of his misery. I'm tired of him provoking me and throwing dirt on me. But not David. Not David. David shows meekness when he is provoked. He says, leave him alone. Let him curse. And, of course, this was Shammai, what he proceeded to do. And, and we see what the scene describes, 2 Samuel 16, 13 and 14. David and his men went on the road while Shimei went along on the hillside opposite him and cursed as he went, threw stones at him and flung dust. And the king and all the people who were with him arrived weary at the Jordan. Anybody ever been provoked to the place of being weary? As this guy exhibited extreme unjustifiable provocation towards the king of Israel, David put up with it. You might say, David, you're being weak. You're being weak. No, David was being meek. He had the very strength to do something. He had the very strength to say to his mighty men to Abishai, you know what, away from him, cut off his head. But in, instead, he decided to show grace and mercy and endure the opposition, even as he was covered in dust. David putting up with this man, Shammai, reflects a patience and a meekness and the kindness of God, the kindness of God. And we see that this came under submission to God. Look at verse 12, 2 Samuel 16, 12. David's submission of weakness to somebody else showing meekness was, came out of a submission of his heart to God. It says this, It may be that the Lord will look on the wrong done to me, and the Lord will repay me with good for his cursing today. And David put the wrong done to him by Shammai into the Lord's hands. He put it into the Lord's hands. He said, you know what? I'm going to turn it over to the Lord. That's what meekness does. It turns it over to the Lord. We want to dishonor when we're provoked and, and dishonored. We want to sometimes fight back. 
But meekness is saying, Lord, I'm going to put it under you. I'm going to put it under your hand and allow you to redeem. Thirdly is Paul. Paul here shows meekness when we're disappointed. And there's an exercise here that we see. See, Paul was somebody, again, who had an extraordinary ministry of church planting. He endured hardships for the sake of others and would lead them to finding a relationship with Christ. But like all of us, Paul needed prayer. He needed help and encouragement with other believers. And so oftentimes he would ask for these things in his letters. Sometimes he was greatly blessed by the kindness of brothers and sisters, but there were other times when they let him down. After one of these times when he was arrested, Paul's evident surprise and disappointment at a trial was when none of the local believers came to support him during his trial. In fact, 2 Timothy 4.16, the first part of it says, at my defense, no one came to stand by me, but deserted me. Have you ever poured your life into someone only to find that when you were in need or when you wanted them to be there, they didn't show up? Yeah, Paul experienced this. It was one of these things that uh, he, he was disappointed. So you might think that he'd want to fight back. He'd want to write some nasty letter. He might, might want to do something. But instead, he demonstrates meekness. Rather than allowing bitterness to set in, he demonstrates meekness. And in verse 16, again, the end of it, he says, At first, no one came to stand by me. At my first defense, no one came to stand by me. All deserted me. Then he says this, May it not be charged to them. May it not be charged to them. He's honest about his disappointment. He's honest, but he turns the wrong over and says, may it not be charged to them. Kind of reminds us of Jesus, doesn't it? Which is our last character that we want to look at today, our last, uh, as we take a look at this profile today. Meekness when you suffer. 1 Peter 2.23, when he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continually entrusting himself to him who judges justly. Think about those soldiers that mocked Jesus, the men who nailed him to the cross, the thieves who hurled the abuse, the crowds who laughed and mocked during his suffering. Rather than, than having perfect judgment, he, Jesus could have threatened them, you just wait, you just wait. Rather than calling angels down from heaven to destroy them and to, to exact judgment, instead Jesus shows a meekness as he brings his strength under the control and submission to the will of his heavenly Father. And instead says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. How did he do this? Paul tells us, or Peter, excuse me, tells us this in 1 Peter 2.24. He himself bore our sins uh, in his body on the tree. He bore our sins in his body on the tree. See, meekness often involves bearing the sins of others and absorbing the painful, uh, the painful consequences that happen when we do that. Can you absorb the pain of that? It's the only way to break an unending cycle of retaliation. So friends, as we begin to close, I'm going to invite the worship team to come. Meekness is a tremendous virtue that is to be cultivated and pursued. In a world where everybody is striving to hold on to power and assert strength, Jesus encourages us to cultivate an inner strength that is found in submitting to his word, his will, and his people. See, when our hearts are submitted to the Lord, it's there that we find an inner strength that allows us to endure opposition, that allows us to endure mistreatment, disappointment, and suffering. When Christ has control of your life and you are submitted unto Christ, there is nobody or nothing that can steal your peace. Nothing can steal your peace. 
It's the quietness and openness and vulnerability of meekness that is very beautiful, even in the midst of things that are painful. It goes against everything that we are. It goes against our sinful nature, and it requires the supernatural help of the Holy Spirit. So today, can we ask the Holy Spirit to cultivate in our hearts a spirit of meekness? Because one day, Jesus says the meek will inherit the earth. We don't inherit the earth by hanging on to power. We inherit the earth by coming under submission to the Lord. Submitting ourselves to His Word. Submitting ourselves to His will. And submitting ourselves to His people. So in what area of your life do you find it difficult to come into submission to the Lord? What things are you pushing back? Is there someone that is letting you down? Somebody that's provoking you? Somebody that is disappointing you, persecuting you, hurting you, offending you? Is there an inner strength that you have that you can say, you know what, I have this inner strength of spirit that is coming and cultivated through the Holy Spirit. And so rather than fight back, rather than try to hang on to power and control, I'm going instead to turn it over to the Lord. I'm going to bring myself under submission to Him today. That's meekness today. Let's pray. Father, I thank you today for your word, which is so rich. But sometimes, Father, it's difficult. Lord, we need to get used to the hand, used to the hand of our God to direct us. Lord, our our passions are wild. Our sinful nature is wild. Our sinful nature does not want to submit to you. Our sinful nature does not want to come under you. We want to, to, to be our own person, to do our own thing. We, we, want, we, want to, we want to do it our way. We want to fight back when we have been having someone that's, uh, that's attacking us or someone that's coming against us. And we say, I don't deserve that. And, and the sinful nature wants to fight back, wants to demonstrate our power and our strength. But Jesus, you call us to something different. You call us to meekness. You call us to a strength that is under control. Lord, may by the power of your Holy Spirit, you begin to develop in us the fruit of the Spirit. That we would begin to respond with patience, with meekness and gentleness, with love, with self-control, with a peace that comes from the inside, and we're not going to get rattled. Lord, work that in us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Will you stand today and let's close with worship. Will you just let the Lord do something in your heart today? If there's conviction of the Holy Spirit is there, will you just begin to say, Lord, cultivate this in me. Cultivate this character quality in me. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We pray that you are encouraged and strengthened by God's word. For more information about Painesville Assembly of God, please visit PainesvilleAG.com.